Sunday, the sermon is on friendship. Pastor Tim's going to be talking about friendship. Do you know anything about friendship? Be nice. Be nice. Why do you think friends are important? Because we be nice. Why do you think God created friends? Because so we can be friends. So we can be friends. Okay. Friends are free. Friends are free. That's very good. Friends are free. So why do you think God created friends for us to have? So we wouldn't be lonely in the world. Sharing with others, being friends with others, uh, never letting anybody down. Um, do you have a special friend or more than one special friend? One of them is Jake Dunham, and he comes here to church and everything. He's pretty cool. I mean, he's kind of funny. Like, when we're at the lunchroom, we start joke, we tell jokes to each other and everything. It's pretty funny. I think you can buy friendship, Gregory? No. You can't? It's something that you have to earn while you're over the years with friends. You have to be friends with others to be friends with more and more people. The more friends you have, the more other people. Why do you think God created friends for us? So we could always be happy. So we wouldn't always be sad or anything. We'd always have somebody right there next to us, like our right-hand man. Friends are important! Would you agree with that, that friends are important? I, I, amen, big amen to that. Uh, speaking of which, before I get into my sermon, I want to introduce to you a friend. Uh, some of you have already met this young man, and, and many of you have not yet, but you will get to, to know him this summer, and that is Matthew Tenpenny. Matthew, stand up so these people can see your face. <clears throat> Matthew is uh, an, an intern here this summer, and he's been kind of shadowing me around uh, this week, and uh, we're going to put him in charge of several projects that we want to accomplish this week. So you'll be seeing a lot of Matthew during this, during this summer. He's a, he's a neat young man and uh, a, a fellow that uh, I've known him all of his life, so uh, we're, we're glad that you're here, Matthew. Um, let me ask you something. Do you have a routine that you go through when you get up every morning? I do. I, I, I'm not much of a morning person, so I find that, that a routine helps me to get going every day. Uh, I'll get up and, and take a shower, and, and if I'm really sleepy, I may take a real long shower as my brain adjusts to the idea that it's another day and it's supposed to be awake. And then I'll get dressed and I'll come downstairs and make myself a pot of coffee and, and I'll usually drink two cups of coffee. And as I do that, uh, I'll check my email and tend to any uh, paperwork that I need to do there. And, and then I will get into one of the habits that I've been talking about during this series of sermons on five habits of highly effective Christians. We've talked about the habit of Bible study and prayer. And we've talked about generosity and solitude. So what do you think I do at this point in my morning routine 
to help me be a more highly effective Christian? Any guesses? Bible study? Prayer? Solitude? No. I try to do that a little later in the day when my brain is a little more engaged. Uh, Here's the habit that I engage in every day during my morning routine that's very important to my spiritual growth. Are you ready for this? Well, here it is. I check my Facebook account. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know what Facebook is, it is a social networking site on the Internet where friends can post thoughts and pictures and concerns and ideas, just about anything. And other friends can see them and respond to them. Now, you may be thinking, what in the world does that have to do with my spiritual growth? Well, here it is. I set aside some time every day where I can catch up with some people in my life that are important to me. Some of them are relatively new friends. Some of them are friends that that I've had for many years. Some are friends that live right here in Henderson, and others live in Georgia and North Carolina and Connecticut and Massachusetts and Texas and California and many other places. Some of us have been scattered throughout the years, and so it has been difficult for us to stay in touch with one another. And so for me, Facebook has, has... been a really great way to keep up with some of my friends. I have reconnected with people that I haven't seen in over 30 years, but I can tell you what they did yesterday. I, I've, gotten in, I've gotten to know other people better than I would have otherwise known them because of Facebook. And I found common ground with people that I didn't expect to have very much in common with. And so I will spend some time every day writing a message or seeing what's going on with my friends' lives or checking their latest photographs. As a matter of fact, just last night I was checking my Facebook and I saw a photograph that a friend had put up and I said, that looks familiar. And and so I, I clicked on it and it was my sixth grade birthday party. You see these photographs, and and then I'll add my own comments in there, and sometimes I'll add a prayer. Facebook has just been a really good way for me to keep up with folks. So I make sure that I do that every morning. And and if you're on Facebook, how many of you are on Facebook? A lot of people over on this side. Yeah, okay, we see a generational thing there. If you're on Facebook and I'm not on your friends list yet, you send that friend invitation on over. I want to be your friend on Facebook. Um, But you know, Facebook has really become a huge phenomenon, and, and the guy who created it is Mark Zuckerberg. When he created Facebook, he said he never intended for the Internet to be something that people used to make friends He says people already have friends, so rather than help people uh, to build new connections, what we're doing is helping them to make those connections better. And in a way, that's what we want to do today. We're going to map out our existing relationships and talk about how they may affect us spiritually. And I want us to walk through a little diagram that will, will help us understand 
uh, how relationships happen in our lives. And as I go through this diagram, here it is right here. As I go through this diagram, I want you to think about some of your friends who fit into each of these categories. The first quadrant is labeled acquaintances. And these are the folks in your life that, that you have a very casual but friendly relationship with. Maybe it's the guy who sits down, uh, down from you uh, at, at work and, and you really don't know him that well. Or maybe it's the neighbor that you see walking her dog every day and, and you say hello when you pass, but you're not exactly sure what that person's name is. That's an acquaintance. And then you see the friend quadrant. Uh, and this is a little tricky because we have all sorts of labels for friends. We have casual friends and we have good friends. We have best friends. We have girlfriends and boyfriends. And we have BFFs, best friends forever. You get the, you get the picture. We all know who our friends are. And then let's go to quadrant number three, which is godly counsel. Now, godly counsel is really another category or subcategory of friends, but these are friends in your life that you seek after when you need advice. These are the people you will go to when you have an important decision to make in your life. And over time, you recognize that there are godly characteristics uh, in, these, in this person, and they give you godly wisdom, and so you seek them out for advice. So we have acquaintances, friends, godly counsel. And then that last quadrant is labeled intimate friends. And here's what we're talking about here. This is a relationship that is characterized by complete trust. And for some folks, that may be your spouse. Uh, but you don't have to be married to have a relationship like this. You can be single and you can have a friend uh, that you've developed this relationship with and you just trust each other, and you know that that person is going to be there for you no matter what. Now, and, and this is the progression of how our friendships are formed. Because before we are friends, we are acquaintances, aren't we? You don't meet someone and immediately become best friends. You, you, you meet them and you're an acquaintance. And, and, and then you become friends, and it's from our group of friends that we usually seek godly counsel. And it is from those close friends who give us that counsel that we can develop that relationship of pure trust. And so here we can see that we have all kinds of friends. And I think from these quadrants we can also see the importance of friendship. But the question that some of us may be asking today is this. How do I go about making these friends? For some people, making friends is very easy, but for others, it's not. Well, we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about how we can put this habit of friendship into practice. And the first thing that we need to know <clears throat> is that the best way to make a friend is to be a friend. The best way to make a friend is to be a friend. You know, most of us spend a lot of time and energy looking for people who will listen to us and people who will accept us, people who will be a friend to us, basically. And yet, we don't spend all that much energy trying to do those things for others. 
And so we have to realize that in this habit of friendship, we must first be a friend in order to have a friend. But you know, it's really hard for a friendship to move through the, that progression in that uh, diagram I had a minute ago and to, and to move through to the highest level of complete trust because so often our friendships falter along the way because somebody does something stupid to mess things up. That ever happened to you? Yeah. And that's where forgiveness enters the picture. Let me ask you something. Have any of your friends ever said or done something that hurt your feelings? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. We, we've all had experiences like that. But here's another question. Have you ever said or done anything that hurt your friend's feelings? Did you mean to? Probably not. So what happened? Well... If you're like me, you probably felt bad about hurting your friend's feeling, feelings, but, but, but eventually you get over it and you cut yourself some slack because, you know, you didn't mean it. You didn't mean to hurt that person. Your intentions were good, even though your actions didn't convey your intentions. So why don't we do the same thing with our friends? Why do we take their hurtful words and their actions at face value instead of cutting them a little slack and saying, I'm sure you didn't mean that. And of course, this gets back to that very biblical principle of forgiveness. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But do we really mean that? If we want that to be true, then maybe we should be a little more forgiving to those who have hurt us in some way. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3 says, Be humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we should allow for one another's faults and, and forgive each other. Because otherwise our pettiness will hinder any relationship from ever getting too deep. The second way to practice the habit of friendship is to, to enjoy life together with our friends. You know, most of us work very hard, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with working hard, but... But if you, if you don't learn how to enjoy life and bring some balance to your work, then you're not going to grow spiritually. Folks, I want to tell you something that may surprise many of you. Did you know that playing and having fun is a part of your spiritual growth? Do you know that? Playing and having fun is a part of your spiritual growth. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 11 and 12 says, God has made everything suitable for its own time, so there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy yourselves as long as you live. I like that verse. <laughs> you know what that tells me? That tells me that there's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy. 
In fact, God wants us to be happy. But what exactly is happiness? Well, happiness is a result. It's just like Gregory said just a little while ago in the, in the, uh, the video that we had of the children. We have friends so that we can be happy. We have friends so we can be happy. Happiness is the effect in a cause-effect relationship. Because you see, when we have a healthy balance of work and play, and when we have significant relationships in our lives, then happiness is the byproduct of that. So if you're struggling with happiness today, maybe you need to reorient your lives a little bit in the way that God wants you to be happy and build in some time just to enjoy life together. A few weeks ago, I was out for a couple of, out of town for a couple of days to, to go to Georgia for my annual guy's getaway. Uh, this is something that I do every year because it's important to me because I'm able to reconnect with my homeboys, spend some time with my friends, that, most of whom I only get to see about once a year when I have this annual guy's getaway. And usually we'll go rafting or kayaking or canoeing, and you may see that uh, that's me in the front right there uh, of that raft. We're about to take that chute. And, uh, and I don't know if we turned over there or not, but, uh, <laughs> but we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun together. But for the, for the last two years, this guy's getaway took place on the same weekend as the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship Spring Gathering. And I would have loved to have gone to the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship uh, meeting. Uh, and, and this year it was even very close. It was just over in Owensboro. But you know what? KBF can do just fine without me. But I need my friends. I need my friends. And so that's why that is a commitment that I have every year to go to Georgia and to be with my friends there. Uh, Matthew's parents are kind of like that. When we go to, to go to Georgia for Thanksgiving, we always try to get together with Matthew's family and, uh, and another family that we're close to in Atlanta and, and there's not a, an agenda there. We just usually go over to Matthew's house and eat dinner and sit around and just talk. Just catching up with each other. And I do that with some of you sometimes. And it's a real blessing in my life. And when that happens, I think to myself, this is what it looks like to enjoy life together with friends. It's not like some big ordeal. It's just meeting friends for lunch or whatever, and catching up on life. But here's the thing. When you do that, you're actually obeying God. Ecclesiastes 8.15 says, I commend enjoyment, for there is nothing better for people under the sun than to eat and, and drink and enjoy themselves. That's another verse I like. <laughs> So make a plan to schedule some time to enjoy life together with your friends. It's important to do. And then finally, the third way to practice this habit of friendship is to carry the burdens of your friends. Now, if you've ever had to go through a difficult time in your life, you know how important this is to have close friends. 
It's so important to have people who will walk with you through the difficult times of life. Many of you, I'm sure, could offer a testimony today as to the truth of that. Many years ago, Susan and I had a a couple over to our house, uh, some very good friends, and it was one of those times we just got together, we just talked and ate, we just kind of enjoyed each other's company, and then they left our house to go back home about, a, about an hour away, back to my hometown in Griffin. And, um, and when they got back home, they were confronted with the terrible news that while they had been at our house, her sister had been brutally murdered. Um, I found out the next day, and I was shocked, as you can imagine. I couldn't believe that this had happened. It was one of those, one of those times when you feel like you, you just need to do something, but you're not sure, sure what to do. And so I got in my car and I drove down to my friend's house in Griffin, and, and the whole way down, my mind was just kind of spinning, you know, thinking, what do I do? What do I say? There's nothing you can really say to somebody who's just lost her sister in such a tragic and unexpected way. And so I finally got there. My friends are just standing there, and, and I had no idea what to do. So I just, just walked up to them and hugged them. And immediately the tears began to flow in their eyes. And that got the tears flowing in my eyes like they are now. This was a long time ago. And I didn't know what to do or to say. But I knew I wanted to be there. For my friends. And here's the thing. When you're connected with people. When you have friends. It's not always about you. When you have friends. It's not always about what other people can do for you. Sometimes you need to be there for them. And that's something that will grow a friendship like nothing else will. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if one person falls, the other will lift him up. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Folks, some of you are only a phone call away from being in real trouble because you don't have real friends. You may have some acquaintances, but your your list of true friends is very short. Maybe you have have gotten into this destructive habit or this, this destructive cycle of going to work every day and coming home, ordering in, watching TV, going to sleep and getting back up the next day to do it all over again. Some of you may have seen the movie Yes Man with uh, Jim Carrey. And in that movie, Jim Carrey played a character just like that. He avoided his friend's telephone calls. He made excuses for not spending time with them. He missed his best friend's engagement party. And his life consisted of work, renting a video, TV dinner, and another, another movie alone. Folks, if that sounds like you, then you're not connecting with people and you're not making friends 
You're living an isolated life and you're just a phone call away from being in a lot of trouble. For you see, God never, ever, ever intends for us to handle the challenges of life alone. And so we need to make the choice to surround ourselves with friends. And you know, at its best, that is exactly what the church should be. We should be that kind of friend to one another. We should be there for one another. We should enjoy eating together and just hanging out with one another. We should be there to cry with one another when tragedy hits one of our lives. We should be there to help each other sort out the difficult issues that we face. For you see, that's the kind of friend that God wants us to be. Jesus said to his disciples, I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you my friends because you because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. That's that's the kind of friend that Jesus was. And that's the kind of friend that Jesus wants us to be. And we want to help you do that. I heard Mary a minute ago talking about a program that we're going to start here. It's called Supper Six. Uh, And we hope that you'll participate in this. And we hope that this will be a program where we can promote friendship within our church. And it's a very simple program. All you have to do is give us your name, indicating that this is something that you would be interested in doing. And the idea is that six people will be randomly matched up, singles or couples, And over the course of the next six months, these six people would get together for dinner, preferably at each other's homes, just to get to know each other better. And then at the end of the six months, we'll do it again, and we'll reshuffle the names of people that are interested and bring in other people when they find out how much fun it is. Doesn't that sound like a lot of fun? I think it does. We'll collect the names for the next couple of weeks and and, uh, get that started. But that's what friendship is all about. It's about moving through those areas of the diagram. It's about being there for each other. It's about loving one another. And sometimes it's just about hanging out and having fun. And I hope as we conclude that you will recognize That just like Bible study or prayer or generosity or solitude, the four other things that I've mentioned in this series, just like those four things, friendship is also a spiritual discipline that is important to your spiritual growth. For you see, spirituality does not take place in a vacuum. It is best when it is practiced in community with friends. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you help us to become more highly effective Christians when we surround ourselves with the right kinds of friends. And we know that it's not always easy to 
for us to put ourselves out there and to be vulnerable enough to be a friend. And so we pray that you would give us the courage, O Lord, to take the step that we need to take so that we can also grow closer to you. We pray this in the name of our best friend, Jesus Christ. Amen.